Amen. Well, this morning, what I want to t- talk to you about basically is going to roll right off of the tithes and offerings message and right off of what Abe shared this morning. And again, it's just our focus. And I have found myself for months really struggling to stay focused, really struggling not to allow the different things of the world to creep up. And everybody's got their own little thing that they can easily be distracted by. And and uh, I'm, I'm geared where I could work from sun up to sundown every day, and it wouldn't bother me one bit. Actually, I thoroughly enjoy doing it. I mean, I'd get done at 6 o'clock at the end of the day and then still start measuring different jobs and talking to customers. And, and if people didn't mind me calling them at 11, 12 o'clock at night to talk about their job with them, I'd probably be doing it then too. You know, and I can, I'm just geared like that. But it's real easy then. The entire day gets completely locked down, filled up, overflowing. And I'm slightly distracted at that point then. And, and maybe it's not work for you. Maybe it's other things going on. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's, it's something else with your job. Maybe it's, it's family members, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a hobby. You know, we all have things that, that try and go after our time, try and uh, take over our time and over our thought life and over ourselves and keep us pulled away and not seeking God. So let me ask you a couple questions here. We kind of hit some of these, but what are you truly seeking? And I'm not asking anybody to give me an answer today or to raise your hand and say, yeah, yeah, I'm screwing up in this area. No, but I really think this is something, you know, it's not a new motive of the enemy to try and distract us and pull us away and, and keep us busy with other things, but I really think it's pretty hot and heavy right now. And he's really laying it in, and there's so much going on out there in the world that it's real easy to get caught up and to adapt that type of attitude that the world has. And we need to just remember what's going on. So what are you truly seeking? What are your goals in this life? Do you have things you want to accomplish in this life? And there's you know, nothing wrong with desiring to have a better job or to be able to have another car or a new home or whatever it might be. But do you have goals between you and God? things you want to accomplish for his kingdom? Are you just trying to merely get ahead, stay afloat, you know, just keep on surviving kind of thing? Are you desires to have, or do you have desires just to have more things, better things, like I talked about, more cars, better cars, more tools, whatever your thing is, is that your true desires and only desires? What are you seeking? What are you desiring? Again, it's so easy to allow the world to move in, distract us, literally overcome us, overcome our emotions, overcome our thought life, overcome our will and desires. But this isn't the way of God. I mean, obviously, he has desires for us. He has a will for us. And he would love to give us the desires of our hearts. And I know you've heard this before, but a lot of times I think we get hung up with think, oh, God will give me the desires of my heart. I desire whatever this thing may be. So therefore, since I desire that, that must mean God will give me that. No, God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll put within you things to desire. The closer you get to God, you're probably going to find your desires 
become something else. You might not desire that thing so much anymore, but you might desire this person's salvation. You might desire more of his presence in your life. You might desire the power of his spirit of God moving in your life. And before you know it, you're desiring those things. And guess what? He gives them because that was his will the whole time. So he'll give you the desires of your heart, and then he'll fulfill those desires. But what are our desires? What are we seeking after? What are you looking for in this life? Or is life just screaming by you? And every day you wake up and go, oh, my gosh, this thing is going faster and faster and faster. And this world is, is accelerating big time, in my opinion. It used to be when I was in school and high school and things like that, it's just like time just took forever. It just drags on and on and on. All I want to do is hurry up and graduate so I can get out of here and do something else and whatever it might be. And, and uh, now I'm sitting here going, my gosh, where's life going? Why don't this thing slow down a little bit? And I, and I imagine that's, you know, something I've always heard people that are maybe a little older than I was say. And, and now, you know, even people that are still yet maybe older than me, I think, would agree with that. And I thought, well, that must just be something that's part of adulthood. But I've even talked to some youth kids these days, and they would sit there and kind of say the same thing, that life's just screaming by. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't like that when I was in high school and younger and stuff. But... So I think there's something going on out there, and if we're not careful, life will just scream on by, and before we know it, we're at the end of our road, and what happened? Did we get anywhere? Did we accomplish those goals and desires? So as I was ta- thinking about this, I taught a message six years ago, almost to the day, and it's fitting, so I'm going to steal a little portion of it. But I used to work at the Reclamation Center here in town for Affiliated Foods. Many of you know that. And the reclamation center, what that is, is where the damaged goods go. You know, dented cans, things of that nature. I even took this one out of our pantry and beat it up special for this morning. But it was stuff like this. Would come to the reclamation center because, think about it, you go to the grocery store and you see this one sitting next to a perfectly good can. You're not touching this one. It's got a dent in it. It's flawed. Get rid of it. So it's a place for that stuff to go. But on the inside, there's nothing wrong with this. Sure, it's beat up on the outside, but there's nothing wrong with this. Now, yes, you can beat the tar out of these and eventually break the seal, yada, yada. But a dent like this, there's no harm, no foul. The product on the inside is still good, still useful, but nobody buys it, so there's got to be a place for it to go. So that's where it goes, and actually that stuff ends up getting sold into a secondary market where you can go to a store that's just full of nothing but beat-up stuff and buy beat-up stuff cheap. So it's still got a use. It's still got a purpose. And... What God showed me back then when I was working with this is this is a lot like us. This is our lives. Whether the world does bad things to us and beats us up, whether we make mistakes, we screw up, we sin, whatever it might be, we get beat up on the outside. But that really don't make a hill of beans to God. It's what's inside that matters. He cares about what's on the inside. And a lot of times we don't even know the potential that's on the inside of us. You know, when it comes to a can of corn, we think, well, that's food. That'll feed somebody, that'll nourish somebody. But, you know, there's also the fact that if you're a fisherman, you know, carp love this stuff. It makes a great bait. You load up a hook with corn, good carp fishing. So it's even got more potential than what we sometimes think. And what sometimes we realize on the outside of the can or, or what we think is even inside, there's more to it than that. And it's the same thing with us in God's eyes. 
there's potential within us, things within us, gifts within us, power within us, the Spirit of God within us. It's all on the inside. And there's even more gifts and graces than you even realize locked up on the inside of you. That even though you might be beat up on the outside, even though the world might have kicked your butt, even though you might have screwed up real bad, there's still potential on the inside. There's nothing that can happen to the outside of this can or your outside that screws up that potential. Nothing. It'll always be there, and it can always be tapped into, and it can always be used. There's one catch, though. The bottom of the can. There's an expiration date. That day comes. What's on the inside ain't no good no more. Don't matter if it's a perfect can on the outside. That expiration date hits. The goods on the inside, the potential that was there, are lost, gone. And you and I need to understand we have an expiration date. There will come a day when our time here is done on earth. There will come a day, yes, you die, you don't die. The real you goes to heaven if you're born again, or the real you goes to hell if you're not born again. And you'll spend eternity in one of them two places. But you here, the physical you on earth, this body, whatever you choose to be done with it, whether it goes a hole in the ground or gets incinerated, it's done. And what was on the inside of you that was meant for here and to be used in that potential, it's gone. can no longer be tapped into, can no longer be used. No matter how good of stuff that was in there, no matter what kind of gifts, no matter what kind of awesome power, no matter what was inside of you that could have been tapped into, that expiration date comes, it's useless. God will take you into heaven, but there ain't a single person in heaven right now that does any good for us here. Am I right? No. There's a lot of hokey crap out there that people will say, you know, cardinal flies into my yard. That means my relatives are visiting me. Well, a lot of good that did me. He ate the bird food that cost me money. It really helped me out big time. You know, whatever the hokey stuff that you hear out there, if you're no longer here on this earth, you serve no more potential or purpose for God's will on this earth. There's nothing more you can do here. There's no one more that you can reach. There's no more good for God you can do. There's no more ability for you to lay hands on a sick and see one recover. There's no more ability to you to go to a loved one or a friend or a stranger for that matter and preach the gospel to them and get them saved. All of it's gone. There's no more potential there. We have to be willing and we have to recognize here and now. See, it's, a, it's harder for a young person maybe sometimes to grasp this because you've got a lot of life ahead of you. But, you know, what am I, 36 now? 35, okay. We're not there yet. Why rush this thing? I, I'm sure many of you have broken the 30-plus mark. You start thinking, yeah, what's it matter anymore? Ain't no, ain't no point in keeping track of them these days. You want to start taking them back off. But I'm only... 35 years old, you know, if, if uh, I hang on for a long time, I've still got a good 70-plus years, in my opinion. You know, God will give you to 120, he said. You know, that's a good, 
good ripe age of God. Whatever that might be. Seventy years, holy buckets, that's just a puff. And God says that our lives are but a vapor. They're gone now. Some of you are older than I am. Your time is shorter yet. And I don't mean that negatively. And I'm not saying you ain't doing nothing. I'm just saying it's a reality. It's a reality. You cannot avoid this thing called death. Your expiration date is stamped. There's nothing you can do to change that. And so, and as a younger person, you might think, I got a lot of life left ahead of me. It don't really much matter. Boy, it's going to scream by fast. Don't waste it. Don't get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s and think, my God, I have wasted so much time. What can I do now to make up for lost time? And feel like you're caught trying to run as hard as you can to get those things accomplished, those purposes, those desires, those wills that you've had all your life, even the good ones for God, and you're not doing nothing with them because of all these distractions, all of these things, and all of these other things to chase and to go after. They're all out there. They're all pulling at us. And they all can easily pull us away from what God would have for us or what we even desire to want to do. And time just keeps on a ticking, but we're not necessarily fulfilling those desires, let alone God's desires. You have to open that up and pour that out. You know, that can of corn can be set in front of a starving person and it don't do them any good if it's never opened up. And if you don't give them a can opener, you know, I don't know if a good set of teeth would even get through that, you know, <laughs> in desperate situations. What good does it do them if it doesn't get opened up and poured out? What good is your life to God if you don't open up that potential and allow it to be poured out? You have, every one of you have that potential those gifts and those graces from God on the inside of you, but if you don't pour them out, if you don't allow God to pour that out of you, it ain't going to do anybody any good. And we have, on the least scale, but yet the greatest scale, the message of salvation on the inside of us. You have the answer that everybody's looking for. And people are out there all around you who are literally starving to death spiritually, and have need you to pour that out and to give up those gifts and to pour out those gifts, to give out to them that answer that they might receive that nourishment, that life, the potential that's on the inside, that they too can have that eternal life with God kind of thing. All of that's on the inside. If you never open up and pour yourself out, they will die of starvation spiritually. That's all within you, but it needs to come out of you. So we've got to shake off these distractions. We've got to shake off these incorrect desires. We've got to constantly be renewing our mind of the word. This is all stuff you've heard. It's nothing new. But again, I think we just get caught up in it and just keep running with it. And time just runs and you think, okay, well, I really know I need to spend some time with God today and I really know that I want to go talk to this family member of mine about God before it's too late. I know they're kind of struggling health-wise, whatever the situation may be, but, but today I've got these things I've got to get done, and so surely tomorrow will work and be better. Tomorrow comes, it's filled. There's five more things that got to be done than yesterday. And you think, well, this one ain't going to work so good. I've got to do these things. 
you know, well, God wants me to have a job and, and to work and to produce and provide for my family. I mean, that's the will of God. So, you know, I, I got to do these things. I mean, these are all things that I can run through my head and start trying to justify myself to make it okay that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. You get what I'm saying? It's just easy to run with that and to go with that. All these things do, all these things do is keep us from pouring out the potential that is on the inside of us. In the world, back to the world and its desires and the things that it teaches us, it'll show us that it's all about me, right? What can I get? It's me, myself, and I. And, you know, we talked about money. We talked about things. And that's what the world would teach you is get as much money as you can. Don't share a dime. You work for it. That's your money. You keep it. Or if you have to, take advantage of the system, whatever maybe it is that you can do to get everything that you can for yourself. Me, myself, and I, right? And if we're not careful, and maybe you're not even like that so much in the world, but if you're not careful, that attitude can get on you, and you can even drag that into church. And you can think, you can come to church. I just want to come on Sunday morning, sit here, get something I need to make myself feel better for the week, and go. I don't want to have to do anything. I don't want to have to serve in any area of ministries. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go out and tell other people. I don't, I don't want to mess with any of that. I just want to get taught, get fed, get blessed, me, myself, and I, and that's it. And we've got to be careful not to drag that attitude into the church. And, and, and this church is like the exception to many rules. We've got a people who get it. We've got people who understand the importance of being a blessing to other people. You guys understand the importance of reaching out. And so I'm not up here saying every one of you is failing miserably at this. You better check it out and get yourself straightened out or God's going to whop you upside the head. No, that's not it. But it's hot and heavy out there, and that stuff is thick out there, and it's going to get on you if you're not careful. And you got to just kind of keep reminding yourself. And like I said, I'm having to do a little heart checkup a lot anymore and constantly reminding myself, why am I doing this? What's my motivation here? Why did I get all the way through this day and hardly gave God a thought? Wrong motivation. Wrong desires. I'm seeking the wrong things. That's all it is. And no, I'm not a horrible person and I'm not going to go to hell because of it. But there's no potential being unlocked. Nothing being poured out. Nothing being used kind of thing. And we've got to be careful, too, because back to this selfish thing. I'm going to get off on a little mini tangent here and say a couple things, and hopefully you'll be all right with it. But this selfish thing, it, it's, it's, very, it's, it's something that's, again, very prominent in the world that the world will teach you to me, myself, and I. But it's a very dangerous place to be when it comes as a Christian because it, it really here's kind of the cycle. You start worrying about yourself, worrying about yourself, and you want appreciated, you want people to like you, you want people to bless you, say nice things about you. Well, guess what? People don't always do that. People don't always say the things you would like them to say. People don't always do the things for you that you think they should do for you. Before long, you start finding yourself disappointed in people. Before long, you start finding yourself mad at people. Before long, you start finding yourself disappointed in yourself because you're not even starting to hit your own marks and what you think you should be like. And then before long, you this whole selfish thing just leads into nothing but depression. 
And before long, you're totally depressed, useless, and you're thinking, well, then the depression just keeps getting worse because you're thinking, well, nobody even cares about me. Nobody's even talking to me. Nobody's ever shown me their love. And, and it's all this mind game of selfishness that leads all the way down to depression, which I'm not making light of depression. I mean, it's a sick sickness. It's a spirit that gets on people and can drive them, I mean, even as far as suicide and things like that. And that's horrible. But you want to know the easiest cure for depression? You want to know the easiest cure for a selfish attitude? It's real simple. You don't need to go see a shrink. You don't need to go get drugs. You don't need any of those things. Go do something for somebody. Go do something nice, a total selfless act, and you'll quickly start curing that. And it just goes away because we are built to be givers. We are built to go out, to be a blessing to other people, And when we start bringing in, bringing in, bringing in, it'll infect us, it'll disease us, and it can kill us. We were just up in Laurel with Reverend Ron Bruce was up there, and we went up there to catch one of his services. And he shared something that I thought was really good about the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Did you know that, okay, on these two seas, they got tributaries or rivers coming in, and then on a, on a general lake system, there's tributaries and rivers running out, right? Makes sense. Some flow in to fill it and some flow out when it's overflowing type of thing. You know, not just simple little tributary type thing, whatever you want to call it. The Sea of Galilee has more tributaries flowing out than it does flowing in. And the Sea of Galilee is a healthy sea full of life, you know, plants, fish, all these things. It's a healthy sea. Just down the road a little ways is the sea, the Dead Sea. It has more tributaries, even more than the Sea of Galilee, more tributaries flowing into it, and it has none going out. It's dead. You put a fish in it, it'll die. You put a plant life in it, it'll die. It's dead because nothing flows out of it. It's got all this fresh coming in, but it's not flowing out. Isn't that a neat example that God sets up right in front of us to show us what we're supposed to be like. There's examples like that all around us if we just open our eyes. We see things and God will show us things. You can't just take it in. You have to flow it out or you'll be dead. It'll kill you. It'll rot you from the inside. So we can't bring that attitude into church. Me, me, me. Give me, give me, give me. Give me a feel-good message. Preach something I want to hear. Bless me. Give me things. That's not what the church is all about. And that's something else he talked about, the purpose of the church. You know, okay, so you've got uh, um, the makeup of God, the different things that are God, or in a sense the DNA of God. For example, we all know that God is love, right? Yes, we know he loves us. He pours his love on us. he, He does things for us that show his love, but it's even beyond that. It's not that he just loves us, but he is love, right? And we know that. Scripture says that. That's part of God's DNA, his makeup. Well, also part of it is, is and this is something I stole from Ron Bruce, is it's called Missio Dei, and that is sentness, or uh, as he defined it, the sending of God. Again, we know that God sent, John 3.16, he, he gave his only begotten son, or he sent 
his only begotten son. He sent his son to earth to die in our place, to sacrifice for our sins that we might be able to believe on him and have everlasting life, right? So we know that he sends, but it's more than that. He is the sending. He's the sent one, or he sends. And that that part of that DNA, you know, obviously when it comes to love, not only does God love us, but he instructs us to go out and to share that love, to show that love to other people. And it's the same thing with being sent. Now, and, and you see it with Jesus and the disciples. He sent his disciples out. He taught them, he showed them how, and he sent them out. And what he kind of shared, and I thought it was real good, you know, the purpose of the church isn't to necessarily uh, even so much preach salvation and see people saved and healed and all these things. Yes, that all goes on, and it's good that it does, and don't get me wrong on that. But really, the church is ideally set up for us to come here to learn, to grow together, and go out and do that stuff out there. We forget that sometimes. We even get this idea that, well, if I can just get this person to come to church, then, then maybe they'll get saved. You do it. <laughs> Preach them the word. You've got it on the inside of you. That potential's there. Open it up. Spill it out. You know, it doesn't have to be here. And sometimes there's services that we do, and thank God, you know, for God's mercy, and he does move, and we do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But ideally, he, he put it this way. One, here's purpose for the church. One, growing up. We come here to grow up spiritually, to learn about things God. We grow together. We become the body of Christ. We mesh together. And then we grow out. Get out of here. Go out there. Be sent. And just like Jesus sent the disciples to go out, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to preach the word of God, to preach salvation, it's the same thing. We are to go out. We come here. We get equipped. We get energized. We encourage and exhort one another and we go out and we need to go out and start pouring out what's on the inside of us living up to that potential that god has with us fulfilling those desires that each one of us has you can't tell me as a christian you sit there and don't desire to see someone saved that you don't desire to lead them in that prayer and you think oh i'm just not i don't have the guts to do that yeah you do it's in there guarantee it we're all called to do the work of an evangelist it's in there you don't have you can't tell me you wouldn't have the desire you've seen pastor pray for people you've seen people on online or whatever it is and you see them miraculously healed and the spirit of god move on them and they go out in the spirit all these cool things and we think man that is awesome i'd like to do that of course you do that's the desire within you and guess what it's within you you can do those things we just need to be bold, shake off the distractions, and, and then allow God to pour out that potential. You know, just like he sent us, we need to pour it out. We're to be poured out as an offering before God to be used by God. We can't just take it in. You've got to let that back out or it just stagnates on the inside of you and it becomes dead. There's no life in that. And then here comes that expiration date. And before you know it, life ran so hard, so fast, it's over. And we don't want to get to that end and think, man, all that potential, all that good that's left inside of here now just gets chucked out, wasted. And we don't want to be like that. We don't have to be like that. We're not supposed to be like that. And, and I know you think, oh, but it's, 
I just, I'm not the type to talk to people about Jesus. I'm not the type to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. I just, I don't know, I'm not maybe bold enough to do that. Fooey on that. 90% of everything you need to do is just go out and love on people, be a light in a dark place, don't be part of the same system of everybody else that's out there selfishly trying to get what they can get, even if they have to stab someone else in the back. If you just show a little bit of the love of God, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. And people will be drawn to that. And it's easy. It just falls into your lap. I mean, you don't have to do this alone. I don't ever want to get up here and preach alone. It's a spooky, boring place up here. I don't want to be here. <laughs> no. But I, on my way to church this morning, I was just praying, God, I don't want to do this if you ain't going to be here. I don't want to do this without you. I can't. What's the point? There's no value in it. And it's the same thing. It doesn't mean you've got to get up here and preach. But it's the same thing when you go out into the world. Just say, God, I don't want to do this alone. I can't. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say to somebody if they ask me about my faith or if I have an opportunity. I don't know what to say. That's a perfect place to be. God will move on your heart. God will move in your life. He says he puts his words in your mouth. I quote that all the time. God said he'll put his words into your mouth. You'll know exactly what to speak. In another spot, he says, don't worry about it. Don't don't figure out what you're going to say when they question you. The words will come. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does for us. And it's that simple. Just rely on it, count on it, lean on it, and allow God to speak through you, use you, to open up that potential and pour that out of you. One quick scripture I'll show you as we close here. If you'll turn to Matthew 16, 24. This I have stolen once again from that message from before. So maybe you remember this, but six years a long time. i got a feeling it might be fresh good stuff again. But it's very fitting. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what I talked about six years ago was how we see crosses everywhere. You know, people wear them as necklace, people get them as tattoos, they're on billboards, they're, they're all over the place. Some people it means something, other people it's a cool little thing, some people it means absolutely nothing. You know, to a Christian it represents Christ and the work he did for us. To an unbeliever it might be a cool thing that other people have, you know, whatever. Lots of different meanings that the cross has today, but not hardly ever the meaning that it had then in Jesus' time. To see someone have a cross at that time or to see a cross, it represented someone was going to die. You know, the cross was used as judgment served. They didn't put them up for decorations. They didn't put them up for fun. They put them up to put somebody on it, to to, to drive nails through somebody and pin them to that cross let them hang there until they die 
That's what a cross represented them. To see somebody legitly carrying a cross, like our Lord and Savior did, to see someone carrying that cross, you could look at that person and know they're about to die. Their life is over. It's done. And so for Jesus to say, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, takes on a whole different meaning. It doesn't, it isn't some light and fluffy thing that he's asking you to do here. He's asking you to be dead. He's asking you to be done. And what he's saying is you, your desires, your wants, your dreams, your thoughts, all of you, it's dead. If, if you want to come after me, you need to die. You can't have this in and out, wishy-washy, half-hearted stuff. It, it, you're not gonna, there's no potential there. There's nothing getting unlocked. There's no, no useful stuff coming out at that point. You have to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow after me. That's what he was saying. That's what he means by take up your cross. Death to self. And we've heard this before. But let it sink in and think, how much self do I have going on right now? How much about me am I concerned with right now? How much of my life is consumed with my agenda, my hopes, my dreams, my desire, and my will? Shamedly, I can say way too much of my life is. Way too much. And there's so much potential that I know that's there that's not getting used. And I don't want to waste it. And I just encourage you today, again, you're, you, you guys get it. We're a people here at Harvard Church that gets it. But there's just a lot going on right now. And don't allow that to squelch your potential. Don't allow that to choke away your time your days, your weeks, your months, your years. Years can go by, and they're just gone. You can't get that back. Don't let it go to waste. Don't squelch it over the wrong desires. And don't allow that expiration date to sneak up on you and that potential to go to waste. So I encourage you today, pour yourself out. Allow the good that's on the inside of you that each and every one of you have to be poured out and to be a blessing to someone else around you. Keep it simple. It doesn't have to be some giant crusade like Billy Graham and where you got to get up and preach in front of thousands of people and give them the message of the gospel. You just go love on someone. Be a blessing in their life. Be different because of the love of God that's on the inside of you. Allow that to be poured out as an offering of your life. Amen? Amen.